and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I am David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yeah. How you doing? Well, I'm a little bummed we didn't win the podcast award. <laughs> <laughs> at, at the time of recording, we don't know if we won or not. And we we're, we're recording yeah. early, so this won't go up for more than a week. So yeah. it will. But by the time this goes up, we will have not won Absolutely. the podcast award. Right, yes. <laughs> We'd like to congratulate... Doug loves movies, film spotting, or really any of the others. Yeah, but I do want to congratulate more than one lesson on its on its win uh, for the. I don't know if uh, if it won either. <laughs> All right, so um, I'm more I'm I have more hope in that winning than us winning. Right. At the same time, I literally okay. Uh, I know I've said on the show that the podcast awards don't matter, and they don't. Don't get me wrong, but. Uh, Last night, I had dreams about them. I had dreams really? about both of us winning and being like, ah, <laughs> And then, like, I woke up at, like, 9 a.m. I'm like, oh, man, they're not going to announce for another four and a half hours. I guess I can go back to sleep. It was like Christmas morning, but there's the possibility you won't get any presents. <laughs> Jeez Louise, man, it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal, but it's, uh, you know, to, uh, you know, today the podcast awards, tomorrow the world is the uh, way I look okay. at it. Uh, so so we, might, we might have to wait till next year and then a day. Yeah. If we don't, okay, I see. Right. To, to conquer the world. So. Anyway, we're being rude, you and I. Yeah, okay. Because we have a guest here. There's a reason we're recording so early is because we, this guy's got a, he's got a busy schedule. We couldn't pin him down until this weekend. Um, so, uh, well, you, you, Tyler, I don't know what I'm talking about. You, you, you introduce our guest. Yeah, well, I mean... You set this whole thing up. I sure Even did. though I went to high school with him. You went to high school with this person, which is very strange to me, because I didn't know that when we set that up. Um, so, okay, uh, I'm not, I, I met uh, this, uh, this character. His name's Dan Paris. Dan, don't say anything yet. Um, but uh, I met him uh, about a year and a half ago, two years ago, maybe. No, don't say anything yet. Yeah, no, just give a, like, a, just <laughs> nod or something, all right? This it's not your show. Um, we'll get to you in a second. But, uh, and since then, he, and I think at the time he mentioned that he was working on a, on a film, a documentary, and I saw a short version of it, and I thought it was great. It's a film called Give a Damn, Give a Damn, question mark. Um, and, uh, and I was like, this is really good. Let me know when the, when the full version is going to be, uh, you know, when that's done and if there's anything I can do about it. And then he said, but isn't saying anything yet. Um, I really like what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, here. that's fine. The, um, he said, well, uh, it's finished now and it's doing the film festival circuit. So, you know, I'd like to be a guest on the show. And having watched the film, I was excited to, to have you on. And so starting now, Dan, welcome to the show. Thank you for finally letting me be able to talk. No problem. It's good to be on here. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. Throughout the episode, there might be moments where I'm like, okay, now you don't talk for the next 10 minutes. David and I will take it. 10 it's, whole minutes, huh? Yeah. That's okay. not going to happen. I came, I came today prepared to sit back and let you guys talk about the movie. I thought you guys were going to reminisce about uh, a high school that I'm not sure I can say the name of. I think you're allowed to say, right? Marquette High School? Okay. I, th- I think you didn't know how to say it more. No, I know like, how to say it. explore... It's it's not my place to say where you went to high school. Oh, Who knows? I, yeah, I went to Marquette High School in. Uh, is it in Chesterfield, Missouri, or is it in Clarkson Valley? Yeah, it's Chesterfield. I think. Yeah, it's. Here's the thing. It's it's addresses of no interest to anyone, but it always bothered me because it does have a Chesterfield address. But if you look at like the sign for Clarkson Valley, 
I think it ends right, right near it. It's right on the like Carson border. Valley is just that valley that you get okay. stuck in traffic going to high school. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. I think that's all the reminiscing. Wow. Oh, you know what I want, do you want to talk about uh, Marquette-wise? Um, I'm not sure when was the last time you were back. You graduated two years after I did. Yes. Do you remember in the cafeteria, the cafetorium, before they built the, uh, the theater, which you got two more years of than I did, um, there was a mural on the wall. Of four Mustangs, because that was our... Oh, yeah, one of them didn't have a leg or yes. whatever? <laughs> there were four Mustangs in a pack. If you went along the bottom, there were only 15 legs. Yeah. I went back there, they added in a leg. Oh, that's good. They fixed it. That's, See, that's I think important. it's not good. I think it's a, it's like a cool, like, school spirit, like, thing. We got a, we're so awesome, our horse only needed three legs. Yeah. 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 I think it also... That's about, like, hey, you know, our horse is less than but he still manages to be equal to all these other horses except that like one could look at them and be like this is i guess this is not a big math school right so <laughs> you know you're you're it's but you're also communicating we don't need to be a big math school because we've got spirit <laughs> so yeah it's yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a it's uh, a two-edged sword now um normally when we have a guest one of my favorite things to ask is where are you from but i know where you're from uh, you're from the greatest city uh, in the country. Uh, how you feeling? You feeling good about the Cards win, dude? That was incredible watching was that game. I actually flew in the night of Game Six, which is considered by many one of the best World Series. We games were of all watching time. Game Six on mute while recording the podcast. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. You can that go back and listen to me being very dismissive, and be like, "Look, the game's over. <laughs> yeah, let's turn it off." <laughs> I mean, there was nothing but Cards fans. It was in Santa Monica, and we were just oh, freaking cool. out. It was one of the best game watching experiences I ever had, and it was here in L.A., so it was awesome. Yeah, it was it was a it was a great game. And one so, one thing I want to say about the high school is that I don't think that the high school had any impact on my film career. <laughs> like, I mean, I, that's just mean to say, but there wasn't a single film class. I took mm-hmm. I took drama, and it just didn't do it for with me with miss green yeah uh-huh. yeah and um this is weird <laughs> so it, it, it's weird for me too uh yeah but there, there wasn't like you didn't have an av club at our school which is kind of bothersome mm-hmm. you didn't there was no they got a tv channel now and they're doing really yeah i mean they got a whole like campus tv channel and they're doing like a lot of journalism type stuff good for them but for yeah them. that it was like post high school when i got into this yeah. I mean, I wanted to do it, but I didn't know. There was one AV, like, staff guy. I don't know if you knew him. His name was uh, his name was Dan Chogas, spelled in a crazy way, spelled the same way as the guy who assassinated McKinley. I don't know if you know. I don't know if you know your presidential assassinations, but the guy, I can't remember his first name, but it was Chogas, and it's spelled like C-Z-O-G-O-L-S-Z. It's insane. If your name was spelled like that, wouldn't it just be a matter of time before you <laughs> killed the president? <laughs> yeah, and I always wondered, because uh, I didn't know Mr. Chogos well enough to ask him if he was related to the guy who shot McKinley. Yeah. I got a question for you guys. Do people, like, people, like, get interested in just, like, us hanging out rambling and talking? <laughs> I mean, like, I just... Here's what, we t- here's what I tell myself, is that uh, David and I are just so damn charismatic, and so we just have such chemistry. That's the word that's always used. Uh-huh. Romantic, maybe. I'd say so, a little bit. And uh, I like to think that people are getting on board with with our personality. And you're in, you're involved now. And we've you know I kept you from talking for a while, and that was fun for me. And, uh, and I so think, yeah, I think I, people enjoy. If it. I if I'm if I'm a listener, and listeners, you tell me if I'm wrong. But uh, stories about three legged horses and uh, uh, staff, uh, high school faculty that's related to. 
presidential murderers. That's, <laughs> that's I, of interest. I, I, please comment and let I, me know. I'm, I'm curious. I'm not going to ask you, like, what locker did you have? <laughs> uh, I don't care. Uh, At Steph Smith has frequently said that she <laughs> likes Battleship Pretension background. Not, she says, okay, this is of no, only of interest to Steph. But. I know, but it wouldn't. It, this is very exciting for her. <laughs> yeah, we have a listener who says she likes David and Tyler backstory. Oh, okay. I don't know that she's interested in the, like, going... Dan and w- David? W- uh, yeah, just but that these are in the. I'm, I'm talking about. She didn't give a damn about me. Yeah. Whoa! All right, let's get <laughs> let, let's get it let's get into it. So um, you didn't. Uh, but you say at high school you weren't uh, into film production, which is or video production, which you couldn't be at our high school. Um, uh, wasn't allowed. Uh, so when did you get into it, and how? Well, I always like wanted to do it. Like I just, my mom would get these five movies for five days for five dollars things when I go visit her. You know, and so I just watch movies all day. And I just love movies. I love the way it impacted me. I love, like, shutting out the rest of the world and just getting, like, lost in this story. And so, and I always thought I had, like, really a lot lot to say. Like, I was really smart or something. When I was, like, 15, I thought I knew, like, the answers to, like, the meaning of life and stuff. So I was like, I think I need to make a movie and tell people, you know, what the meaning of life is. (laughs) And so I I just always wanted to make movies. And then, yeah, post-high school, I uh, started working in a church. And, like, my first videos were there for, like, the youth ministry there. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, so... What uh, what life changing movies were you able to to make? You made some with your church. You made Give a Damn, which I think actually is pretty close to what you're trying to do. Uh, did you make anything in between, like any uh, narrative film or anything like that? I've I probably made about a hundred short projects. Um, okay. You know, not not a lot of them like creative, so to say. Just a lot of like you know events and. Um, uh, a lot of documentary, a lot of like covering things. Like there was like a eating disorder uh, like ministry at my church, and so they like I made this video, and like all these people came out because of this video and said, "Hey, I, I have this problem," and it just just the flood of calls this counseling ministry got because of this. It was a really crappy video too, mm-hmm. but just like saw the impact of that to actually get people to to do something. And then I um, made a, one about my first trip to Africa, which was really kind of a precursor to to give a damn, but. Uh, most of my fiction was comedy. You know, okay. most of it was goofy stuff. Did you go to a film school? Yeah, I went to Biola University and I graduated in okay. '08. So I did. I did some projects there. Um, I did. Okay, here's my my biggest ever epic thing I did is that one summer I lived with like five other dudes in a house uh-huh. and so I made this series called uh, The Real World The Man House okay. and I gave everybody a character none of them were actors you know I'm barely an actor and I made them each kind of be just really exaggerated versions of themselves mm-hmm. um, like I was a sensitive dog lover like I had a dog but I wasn't very sensitive you know but I really <laughs> so we played up every little issue and it was incredible like we shot like five ten minute episodes and um, stayed up like all night multiple nights and just really writing the script and seeing like how everything played out together and editing it together and then the response i got from everybody who watched it somebody just is this is this this uh, is like this is like yeah this is like six years ago i made this and i had somebody write on my facebook today hey i showed it to all these people we love it and like people are quoting is there a place that i can see it now i I don't have it online but i i want to put it on there eventually i'll show it to you guys yeah yeah yeah. so So there's like germ boy there was the french military guy there was the hunter guy (laughs) there was the guy who the military forced him to be in interpersonal relationships and made him live in the house with us and then there's um this oh this is the best one the cussing worship leader Uh just like when he's like leading the worship team he's like son of a come on get it together we're trying to worship (laughs) 
Now you can. Uh, this will get into what I talk about. You can you can cuss on this show, by the yeah, way. Yeah, by all means. And I and I like that you're from hell yeah from Missouri. <laughs> is hell cuss hell is not even. I don't, cuss I don't think so. Not anymore. But I like if you go the Christian Missouri world. Damn, is like it's up you, there for me. It was like really yeah. low. And I like that you say cuss as opposed to curse or swear. Oh, why is that? Because that's a Missouri thing. I think is it, or, or at least that not Missouri specific, but that sort of part of the country. Yeah, I think I say swearing. I yeah, think that's you're not from Missouri. Cuss. No, I'm not. I cuss. <laughs> Sorry, I just spit on your mind. Uh, but it gets me into what I want to talk about, because I'm sure that some of our listeners are wondering right now. You talked about uh, uh, you making movies with your, your your church, and you talk about this character who's a worship leader and, and, and uh, this stuff. And so this movie uh, – so you are a Christian. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I, I just wanted this movie, Give a Damn, which I watched last night. It It is – word of warning to those out there. It's pretty Jesus-y, but it's not – a, a, a word of uh, I'm not sure what the opposite of warning is, but it's not something you need to worry about because it's about the uh, the movie is about the the people that are in it are uh, <laughs> Jesusy. If I'm going to stick with this, not all of them. Uh, no, not all of them. Uh, uh, we'll get to that in a little bit. Okay. Um, but I I, I I like that the sort of mission statement of the film is. It's 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 about it's about action and you guys show that you and the other Christians in the movie are uh, that is sort of a lot of your strength and motivation comes from there but mm-hmm. you take care to show numerous people throughout the movie who aren't Christian mm-hmm. and and that it's uh, uh, it, it uh, maybe I guess would you agree that it doesn't matter where it comes from if you. It, I, yeah, I mean, I just, to- I just want I want people to do something. I mean, mm-hmm. I do want everybody to believe in Christianity, but I also want everybody to like like my movie. I also want you know I want a lot of things, <laughs> and like the goal. Basically, I want my goal of the film is to get people to ask themselves two questions: like what breaks their heart, uh-huh. and what makes them come alive, and put uh-huh. those together. And so let's talk about what the movie is. It's it's uh, you, t- you, I mean, you talked about going to Africa. This is a movie where you and uh, a couple of friends. Um, traveled uh, with as little means as possible from St. Louis to New York to England to Greece and then finally into Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to live on a dollar twenty-five a day, like trying yeah. to live. They say one point four billion people live on a dollar twenty-five a day. Like, mm-hmm. That's a definition of extreme poverty. Uh, and, and 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 so you, uh, that's that's what you do. You have to break the rule a couple of times for the uh, for travel <laughs> reasons. Uh, um, but I think the movie is all the better for it. <laughs> I mean, it might not have been as good a movie if you couldn't get out of England. Because yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, yeah. I didn't know what Yeah, definitely. We, we were like, is this movie about us hitchhiking or is it about... Pop- what, what is it about? We were kind of wrestling with that and we spent so much time just finding rides. They were like, is this really... Where we're-? And the film really doesn't focus on the hitchhiking aspect so much. And so... It could have been a film about like, can we make it to Africa? But that's right. not what it was about, you know. And so, uh, and I'm glad it wasn't because it ended up. I think the main thing that's fascinating about the film uh, is the exploration of the ways that poverty is different and similar in all part in all different parts of the world, mm-hmm. uh, or at least the parts you were able to get to for a dollar twenty five a day. <laughs> yeah. Well, one thing that I that I myself was was happy about is that um, is that you do. Pretty much the, one of the first things you do is you explore uh, homeless, uh, homelessness in, I believe it was in St. Louis, right? Yes. And, and I don't remember, I, sadly, I don't remember the name of the guy. That Jeremiah. You, Jeremiah. Jeremiah. And Sorry, just kind of seeing, 
I saw it a whole week ago. <laughs> but, um, you know, and, and talking to, to him and recognizing that there is this all over the place. It might be, you know, homelessness in another country might look tremendously worse than it does here. Not to imply that homeless people, they've just got it easy here. But, uh, but I like that in, expl- in exploring the issue, you're willing to explore it even when it doesn't directly coincide with what the main thrust of the film is, which is poverty in Africa. I'm, I was glad that you were willing to spend a little bit of time on it uh, in more, I don't know, more, um, I'm reluctant to say modern countries, but you know, like what's the industrialized country yeah, or something yeah, like yeah, that? Yeah, they have all kinds of names like First World or First, like Global yeah. North, you know, okay. there's all kinds of politically correct terms. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not too worried about the political correctness of it. So I, I uh, did, did you guys really feel like um, this is interesting? I mean, did you feel like if you're gonna say what this film is about, is it about poverty in Africa? Is that how you would describe the film, or poverty in the world? How would you describe it? Like, what do you think, think this think film about, is mostly about? Uh, so I think if you say this movie is mostly about poverty, people are like, oh man, I don't want to see that movie. You know what I mean? But I think it's called Give a Damn for a reason. It's not just about uh, poverty. It's about um, doing something about it and i like that you're specifically not i don't know what i was going to say there uh, uh i like that you're vague about uh intentionally vague about what it means to do something because there are so many different things that you see people doing and mm-hmm. you also uh take the um the tack of a- addressing the way that sometimes charities aren't helpful uh, you know the um the the dependency but also the the corruption i guess that you know leads to uh, um, charitable donations not being distributed the way they the way they should, um, and so it. I mean, it seems to be it's that it's about um, it's about poverty, but it's also about uh, I guess I don't want to come back to saying giving a damn, but just caring. Um, and I guess my, my thinking is that uh, the sort of thesis of the film is that caring is the the first and necessary step in that we uh and maybe i'm now injecting some of my own personal beliefs that they, uh, we are members of our so many own, uh, little groups you know i'm uh i'm a I'm, I'm white male i live in los angeles i live in america award-winning I podcaster award-winning podcaster <laughs> um uh but at the at the end of the day to use a trite phrase that i hate um we're all humans and we're all sort of in one sense in this together uh that's yeah and that's really yeah i i definitely agree with that and like yeah as you're saying for totally i think people you go you travel around and there's so many similarities between all of us people mm-hmm. always ask me you know what's the difference between poverty in america europe and africa and i'm like they're really pretty similar what the people are similar people care they have the same desires and wants in life and they want the same things and you tell anybody you tell someone in london serbia and you know a homeless shelter in kentucky that you're living on a dollar a day and trying to travel across america they're like that's awesome you know mm-hmm. it doesn't matter who you are where you're from you go yeah. to the slum in africa they're like that's a cool idea you know mm-hmm. and people are really supportive of of us and what we were doing and so i didn't feel like People thought, yeah, you, know, you you know, three white guys trying to do, you know, you think you're mm-hmm. some. People were really cool about it. But in terms you know? of differences, you also talk about something that I uh, maybe people don't think about enough that um, in a, the first world nation, you still have 
clean running water mm. uh, somewhat readily available. Whereas you you guys, or this might be after you had already left, and we'll talk about that. <laughs> you had already left Africa. They came across a city of like 700,000 people that had no plumbing or electricity. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's unfathomable. That is, mm-hmm. uh, that's an amazing, I think that's probably more people than live in St. Louis. Uh, yeah, definitely in the inner city of St. Louis, right, for in, sure. In the actual city of St. Louis. Yeah. That's, uh, uh, that's, that's remarkable. I, I don't know what else to say about it. It was, it, it floored I, me. I think something that's, that's interesting is, you know, you mentioned that when you say, well, this movie is about poverty and that a person's natural reaction is quite frankly, probably going to be, okay, so this movie is going to guilt me a lot. And I really don't want to watch a lot of depressed people in Africa. And I think that's, that's another really great thing about your film is that, excuse me, is that um, we have an image of what poverty looks like. And it's people sitting around just being, just think, if not saying, thinking to themselves, well, I'm poverty stricken. It's just a matter of time before, you know, until I die and I will welcome it because then I will be dead and not in poverty. Like it's, I'm over exaggerating, right. but it's just people who are constantly thinking how much they don't have. And that's basically it. You see your film and you see people who, you know, you see children who literally their snack is essentially made from dirt. And they eat it and they're smiling and they're happy. And families are laughing and, and enjoying each other's company and like really loving each other. And that's not to say, that's not to d- diminish kind of the crappy situation that they're in. But you realize that. It's, it's kind of crappy. <laughs> look, it's not. I'll, I'll be the first to say it's not the best, <laughs> but it's. Uh, but I don't. I don't mean to diminish that. But it's just the. Uh, you see that these are still people. They're not just. They're not defined by their poverty. They're defined by the same things that define us, which is love and, um, and a desire for happiness and and taking it where they can get it and where they get it in, in this case is with their family and they want to take care of their family just as we do and so. I think that, oddly enough, in not emphasizing but in portraying the fact that these people can still find happiness even in the midst of you know squalor, that that actually makes them more similar to us. Yeah, and I like that you also – and we'll let you talk about your movie in a second. But, uh, this is what I'm talking about. See, I didn't even have to say the 10 minutes thing. <laughs> you, um, you, you do show them as being happy, but you also are quick to insert an interview with a guy, with a guy who says like that doesn't mean that – you're off the hook. Like they still need help. That interview astounded me that this guy was telling a story admittedly about someone he knew, not about himself or anything that a guy saw what I'm talking about, saw people that are happy and strangely enough, use that as just like, Oh, I, I thought they were in trouble. Problem solved. They're happier than I am. This guy in question is like a millionaire too. Yeah. And like, I guess I get to keep my, uh, my millions. All right. <laughs> problem solved i'm going <laughs> i'm going back uh, to the states yeah we people used to watch the film and be like yeah they seem really happy well, seems like i don't really need to do anything and so we really need to we're like you're missing the idea and so that interview was actually a later addition to the film we're like we need to clarify you're missing the idea if that's what you're leaving our film thinking mm-hmm. and another thing to kind of touch on what you guys said is that you know you think about the infomercials and the kid just there with flies covering his body yeah and react like, and that's all they show. A full picture would show that kid with flies over him, and then somebody saying, "Hey, 
Magubu, we're playing soccer. Come over here. And the kid run up, you know, and go kick around the soccer ball and try to play. And the big kids pick on him and he tries to play anyways, you know, just like at any of our playgrounds. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's not a full picture and it's just showing the half the person. Like, what if they just, what if in Africa they just all just, you know, Americans, all they do is watch TV and they just showed only the part of you watching TV and not when you went to work and not when you spent time with your wife, went out Mm -hmm. to eat. And it's like, that's all the idea you get of them. You're getting a very inaccurate Mm -hmm. picture of poverty. And it's and I think the the reason for that and I understand like those those infomercials they're trying to get people to do something but in just showing the side that is most likely to like you know tug at our heartstrings or make us feel guilty like again I understand why they're doing it but that is manipulative that is it's it's showing us one thing and not the other knowing full well that this will have a certain effect this might diminish that effect. And this is what we want. And I actually think that to try to show a fuller picture and to be, I think, I think that's inherently more honest. And I think that's more loving of these people is not to show them as purely victims and as that they just, they are absolutely doomed unless we do something. Now, that shouldn't let us off the hook, but... I don't know. It makes them three-dimensional, and and it's not manipulative. It's It just puts everything out there and allows, you know, there's always the possibility that someone could look at that and come away from it being like, well, they don't need my help, but that's the risk that you're willing to take. Because it's like I'd much rather be honest about who these people are, and some people don't get it, than to kind of downplay their humanity and manipulate people and more people do something out of guilt and yeah we, that, that was always our our thing was always guilt fades you know it's an ineffective motivator but what is a motivator is like offering you a good opportunity and that's what we feel like our whole thing is to connect those who need something to live for with those who just need something to live mm-hmm. and this idea like you want to come alive like when i first went to africa i never felt that feeling of coming alive of being able, like the ability i have to make a difference that i was like I felt like I was a part of like a civil rights march or something. Like I was in something and I was changing something. I was affecting something. And the power and the joy that comes from feeling like you're affecting um, to something that breaks your heart is just is something really enjoyable. And it's kind of like I always compare it to Tom Sawyer. You know, when he's like painting the fence. You know, he's kind of bullcrapping everybody about like, oh, oh this is so <laughs> awesome painting the fence. But like it's really like he just turned the way people look at it. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, he was like, this is a great time. And I think we're doing it honestly. Like it's a great time making a difference. You'll mm-hmm. enjoy it. It's better than. Uh, drugs. I haven't done drugs in a long time, but <laughs> I, fa- I fairly remember what they were like, and I think it's better. Uh, I, I want to talk with the other two guys who did the trip with you. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk with this guy, uh, David, who is um, a mystery to me. He's the complete, <laughs> he's the complete opposite of me, uh, other than sharing my name. Uh, I, I'm a pretty pessimistic person, I, I think. I, I, I view the world as being in opposition to me often. Or at least just you're uh, wrong, David. Something I need to get, something I need to uh, deal with or confront. Whereas this guy, I don't think there's a frame of the film that he's not smiling. And, and well, yeah. there was that one moment when he's crying and still smiling. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, he was. I, I found myself fascinated by him and just his ability to be. Uh, to be so positive, uh, it, it still finds me a fascinant. I mean, I yeah. hang out with a guy like we're we're starving, living on a dollar a day. No cars are picking us up, and he's like, like his level of faith is just is very very impressive and and very challenging to me. 
And it's kind of crazy that he's the one who didn't worry about anything, and he's the one that least the least amount of crap happened to, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll get to that in a second. I, <laughs> I keep teasing that. And then there's – do you want to say something about David? Well, I, it, it is interesting. I, I wanted to bring this up, but I – and I'm reluctant to because it might sound negative, but did you ever – in your situation, you talked about like – you're, you know, you were very. I'm sure all three of you were very aware of like. I'm very hungry. I'd like to eat something now. <laughs> um, but he's, you know, still smiling, still, still upbeat. Did you ever find yourself annoyed by that? Like I, in watching the film, like I like him, but there are moments where I'm just like, come on, man. Like you're making the rest of us look bad. <laughs> yeah. No. No. Uh, definitely. I mean, there was we we got annoyed by all of us, and I think there's. I think we realized there's a little argument there that obviously was like an hour and a half that I cut down to like 40 seconds, which uh-huh. is movies. But basically, it was a whole discuss- discussion between Rob and David, and Rob was all stressed out and worrying about things he didn't need to, but it seemed like David wasn't you know, worried about anything. And it mm-hmm. wasn't even that we needed him worried, per se. We needed him just active. We needed him prepared to act if we mm-hmm. needed something, you know? And I mean, there was, I remember this one time I was getting on a train, and the train doors were closing, and he was just real laid back. And I'm like, I don't need you laid back. I need you to help me get this stuff in the train before we get stuck here with our, you know, and we already paid our ticket. And so there's a sense of, sense of which each one of our personalities has its positive and its negatives. I mean, Rob was very... You know, Rob was the, you know, I don't want to get to the point you don't want to get to, but there's a lot of pluses and minus on each of us. And like, I think David does come across looking almost perfect sometimes, but in reality, yeah, there was a lot of frustrating things about that. Just interacting with him and, um, just the, you know, he has a lot of, lot of hope and optimism and I'm more of a realist and just mm-hmm. the, the, where those kind of run into each other. And like, I want to be more of an optimist, you know? So it's like, yeah. So yes. Okay. Uh, now, okay, this guy, Rob, I want to talk about, who uh, in some ways does more represent me in that he's uh, the non-Christian uh, of of the group. But uh, I also want to make sure people know, because he, he has a philosophy of life that is, uh, that is not mine, in that he uh, goes into the film not thinking that any person has... The thing I talked about at the beginning doesn't have a responsibility to other uh, for other people's problems or to help other people. I just want to make the point that's not. Or he's, a, or he's at least wrestling with it. Like he's right. like, I, I think the way he sees it is like I'm I'm actually do reflect the common person that says they give a shit, but really don't because they're not doing anything. Uh-huh. And that's that's how he said it. He's like, yeah, you say I give a damn, but you're not doing shit, so really you don't give a damn. And so like, so I think that's that's his perspective. I wouldn't say he doesn't care about people, but it's just like why sh- you know honestly he'll just like come out and say he's one of those people that'll just say whatever's in his mind. He's like why should I care about these people when I got problems? You know uh-huh. I didn't do anything to them. I, I just want and that's a perfectly valid uh, life philosophy. I just want to make sure that everyone knows that's not the standard atheist. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> I think some life. atheists. Uh, we're doing an atheist conference in a couple of weeks, and I'm sure they're gonna have you know it's like called skepticon it's the second largest atheist mm-hmm. conference in the country we're going to be it to like five or six hundred people probably and they're probably going to drill me and uh me and dave pretty hard but it's okay because we do a lot of churches and rob gets gets hit pretty hard but um is rob coming with you to that yeah oh, rob oh. so yeah rob's the one setting it up but um yeah i mean the film isn't saying like david's what a christian should look like or i'm what a christian should look like or rob's you know like the example of an atheist and it just so happens that Rob's an atheist, and that was his perspective. And me and Dave were both activists and we're Christians. There's a lot of Christians that don't give a shit, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of, um, I'm like, cussing more to get, you know, because I have the freedom and you told me I could. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, um, but there's a lot of, you know, atheists that are, that are very active, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think it's, it isn't one or the other. It's just that that's, that's what our, who we were in our story, you know? But there's a part that I don't want to specifically uh, spoil. 
but you almost couldn't if the, if this were a fiction film and Rob were a character, you couldn't have written it this well. When he has this point of view, and there's a part where, uh, you know, more directly than anyone else in the film, he has to act to actually, do, and he's he's recounting the moment and saying to himself like what you do now matters. He said, like, that's the thought that he has. And you, it almost, uh, like I'm saying, you couldn't have written it. Like, that's, if you were writing a movie, uh, writing a story, that's the character who would have to have that moment. Yeah. And uh, people would be like, come on. <laughs> right. <laughs> if it were, yeah, if it were a narrative film. Um, um, and I'm actually, I, I'm fine with spoiling it. I mean, it's spoiled in the trailer. Oh, yeah. Um, no, you can, you can talk about any part of the movie you want. Okay. And okay, this, yeah. We, and this is the, this is the, because you were asking what how we would describe the film, and it is definitely you know it's about poverty, but it is also about I would say the I hope this word doesn't come off as insulting. I don't mean it to um, kind of the insulting. match the 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 insult me all you want. I, want I don't like that shirt. Okay. Um, but the uh, the maturation of the three of you, like just you start out. You know, having a general idea of what you what you're getting yourself into. You'd been to Africa before, and um, but not really realizing how much it's going to demand of you emotionally and physically. And then, of course, it winds up demanding something of you in a way you never would have expected. And by the end of it, I think all three of you are much wiser. Um, and and I think much more mature not to again not to imply that you're immature at the beginning but i think it's just your eyes are more open and i know that something that you guys talk about is giving a damn is much more than merely giving money it's much more than reading a newsletter or some, or getting the word out sometimes it requires near death now of course you didn't realize that was the sacrifice you were making at the time Mm-hmm. And yet there, and yet there you were, and I think that's something that's interesting. That to me is. is should, should we say sure. what actually you guys were? Um, why don't you? Yeah, you tell. Y- okay. Yeah, you were there. All right. I, yeah, I, I was there. Um, so the third day, we took about a, eight days across America, two and a half weeks across Europe, and then we went to Africa. And so I wanted to take Rob back to this slum was the, where I went to Africa in 2005. I wanted to let him see it and see what it was like, the place that really impacted me and made me want to make the movie. So we spent the day there, our second day in Africa there, and then the third day we we're getting a flight over this slum just to see, you know, how big it was, how vast it was. So we had some overhead footage for the film, and something happened. And within about ten, fifteen minutes of flying, it's just supposed to be a thirty-minute flight. Uh, the plane started to go down. We didn't really realize that it was going down. We we're just like, oh, he said he would get low and give us good shots, and it would kind of smooth out at some point. So we were just fine, thought everything was okay, and then all of a sudden, two power lines came into view, and the you know, we had about two seconds to think, oh, this is this is when we're going to die. Uh-huh. And the plane hit the power lines, flung into a building, landed upside down. And I was c- conscious when it hit, and I saw this African guy running towards me. I thought I was paralyzed. I went unconscious. Um, and then five, ten seconds later, Rob was waking me up. He says, the plane is on fire. The plane is on fire. You got to get out. And all of a sudden, I see flames just coming in my direction. You know, I, I, I turned behind me, and they're just coming after me. So I unhook my seatbelt, and I just have this massive pain around my waist. I end up fracturing my L3 vertebrae and breaking a bunch of other things, damaging my intestines. And I stood up and took all my strength just to find somewhere. And then I watched Rob try to run into the plane once to save the pilot, and then he caught on fire, and he 
came out and then he went back into the plane and he was able to get his seatbelt off but then someone dragged me into a vehicle um, an African dragged me into a vehicle and then thankfully they dragged Rob in there too because I was kind of freaking out. I didn't know they could have been kidnapping me uh, you know right. obviously they weren't I mean we we're going there to save Africa and Africans end up saving us they drive us to the hospital and that kind of thing but I'm in shock I'm totally barely saying anything Rob's screaming and crying and freaking out and yeah I mean it was just it was just something we could have never planned. It happens about halfway through the film and, and just changes everything. I'm in the hospital for two weeks. Rob's in the hospital for five days. He goes back to America, struggles with post-traumatic stress. I you know, go back. I have physical sickness for about nine months. And then our buddy David smiles, stays in uh, Africa for three and a half months and travels six countries with his brother, Tim, who we don't talk about, was also an agnostic. And so oh, okay. we kind of cover that. And, and yeah, Tim met you guys, met up with you guys in, in Africa. Africa. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it uh, I, it is in the trailer, and I knew because uh, Tyler had shown me the trailer. I knew, I knew it was coming, um, but uh, it's uh, <laughs> it makes for a good movie. <laughs> like I don't want to belittle, obviously, the horrible thing that happened, you know. Um, but it's um, it, it is the it's a it's a catalytic moment in a lot of ways. It is the thing that led to the thing I'm talking about. With with Rob as a as a character, I know he's a real person, but as a, as a character, uh, but it also this thing talks this thing that Tyler is is referring to this idea of uh, that I guess that giving a damn isn't easy. There's mm-hmm. a there's a price and there's a toll, you know, and you didn't know what it was, but you. It's easy and it's not predictable. Like uh-huh. you can go in being like, okay, I know everything that's going to happen with this situation. And I think to control the situation that much, not to imply just going willy-nilly and everything, you know, and and that's the only way to give a damn is to have no preparedness at all, but recognizing that I think in, in our country and in our circumstances, control is a big thing, knowing where money is coming from, know where, knowing where food is coming from, knowing you need to be somewhere on time, all of that. And I think we try to translate – anytime we try to make a difference in someone else's life, whether it be you know, going to Africa to just, do- you know, just document poverty or you know, counseling a friend through a bad situation, anytime you try to make a difference, I think we naturally go in – Not realizing the cost. Yeah, and thinking it's going to go one way. And getting kind of freaked out if it doesn't. But, like, the minute you try to make a difference in someone's life, whether it be one person or a lot of people, you know, a whole country, um, I think you need to recognize, like, it's probably not going to look the way you think it's going to look. And you need to sort of – this is what, this is really minimizing. I'm sorry. Uh, go with the flow and just – and. I think that's that's a big part of it is just not knowing fully what you're getting yourself into. Uh, but I don't want to talk entirely about the plane crash in terms mm-hmm. of its, um, I guess, uh, metaphorical or or symbolic significance because that uh, could be seen as cheapening the fact that it was a fatal crash. I mean, you and Rob escaped, but the pilot and mechanic uh, did not. Yeah. Uh, and so I just wanted to make – I wanted to – Say that it's not just something that like you can take away as like right. a turning point in your life. It 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 wasn't it did wasn't a chance to be a turning point for at least two lives. It was right, yeah. And it's and and that is when talking about a documentary and you know it's people die or you know they get injured. You know it's very easy 
to you know from a film critic standpoint and i'm sure from a filmmaker standpoint it's it's easy to just think in terms of what's going to have the most dramatic effect what's going to be powerful and forget that you know you're like it sounds weird the i'm talking to the guy in the movie right now the guy who is in the hospital for months the guy who i know way too much about your digestive si- <laughs> you know gonna, situation I, I was gonna bust your balls about that yeah. too there's 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 a little too much <laughs> in the movie <laughs> about you know uh, part of me wants to be like so is everything coming out all right now but i know it is but it's like why would i ask that of someone that i really don't know that well and so it's it's kind of there's a disconnect for me as well that you're that guy and in the same way you know, we can talk about what the plane crash can represent, but it's not like they it's not like the pilot turned the engine off and said, This is gonna be a good metaphor. Like it's just it's something that happened and for you know, for two families it was a tragic thing and it changed their lives. And if, I mean for your families it changed their life as well. But, you know, for the families of the pilot and the mechanic, like it's you can't go back. And so um so yeah, I don't want to uh to spend a lot of time sort of you know devaluing them uh and that's the run that that's the risk you run anytime you talk about a documentary yeah and is it is really interesting one thing i did learn that you know yeah both what you guys are saying i mean two people died and there's that never justifies like making this this great i mean Mm -hmm. these kid four eight kids total left two wives left without that and doesn't doesn't make any sense it wasn't necessary we could have had a plane crash and we all survived like you know we could have something else could have made the story even more cohesive and better. Like, I don't know if that exactly, but we did have a plane crash mm-hmm. and we got in like a thousand media outlets, CNN, a associated press because we were in a plane crash. And then I'm at, uh, American film market yesterday, pitching my films to companies and they're like, Oh, dollar, you know, they're like not interested. Like who is this kid showing up with this movie? And then I mentioned dollar 25. Like, Oh, that's, that's kind of interesting. And maybe we'll be interested. And then I mentioned plane crash and everybody just stops and looks at me. And as I as I came home from Africa, and I watch movies, Die Hard, Bruce Willis is jumping off a plane, and you know there just crashes. You know Wolverine crash. That's Die Hard too. Yeah, it's it's every movie. Die Harder. <laughs> yeah, every movie has a plane crash, and I just realized, you know, maybe something else was going on here. Maybe this issue is that important that a plane crash is what it takes to draw people to actually want to see this film. Hmm. Now you and say so every the, movie has a plane crash. I'm not entirely sure that. No, 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 I'm no. I know. Right now, thinking of a movie every that typical action, big budget <laughs> yeah, action right. film has a helicopter slash plane crash. I mean, yeah. I literally would watch one after another. I mean, it's it's crazy. Mm-hmm. And the realest one I've ever seen is the Aviator. You've seen that plane crash in the Aviator. Yeah. He's like, I I had a crazy post traumatic stress freak out when I saw. I just burst it out like cr- tears from my belly. Like I don't even know how to describe it. That just. It just messed me up, and like most of the other ones, didn't really feel like it. But that one was was nuts. Um, and so I want to I want to ask you some questions from the point of view of a filmmaker, okay, who's making a movie about himself. Yeah, because I was looking at actually a couple of reviews of the film, um, and there's not a lot out there. But uh, you know, I only I, know of one. <laughs> okay, <laughs> like well, maybe official review. Maybe that's the one that I read. Yeah, um, and it was very interesting, and and. Uh, I'm just gonna talk, I'm just gonna say what this guy said. Yeah, totally. And so I apologize if this sounds insulting. Um, he was complimentary of the film, but in talking about the inclusion of the of the plane crash and the inclusion of your, you know, cutting back to seeing how you're doing and how Rob is doing, and then cutting back to David and Tim uh, still doing, you know, still in Africa, and 
he said that that the inclusion of you and Rob distracts from the point of the film and that by making it about here's the plight of the Americans again when we're supposed to be talking about Africa um, he says it kind of I don't know kind of dissolves the point I don't agree but yeah and I'll tell you I think I I also largely disagree and I think the reason why is because your intended audience is a first world audience Mm -hmm. am am I right Mm -hmm. and so uh, that to get back to the metaphor I guess of the plane crash or the symbolism you know that uh, that toll that effect of giving a damn uh, that it had on you is I think worthwhile for the audience to to see uh, in, t- in terms of you guys being a surrogate for that, and you can contrast the two. You, I mean, and and you're, you know, you're smart enough to incorporate this. That talking about this t- thing that could ostensibly kill you. You got down to what 115 pounds? Yeah, I lost about 45 pounds. Like that's, and if you weren't getting the proper treatment, you could probably be dead. You know, definitely. Yeah, like, I mean that. That's I, I don't understand yeah, how we'd have that opinion because it's a great story twist that I tried to live in extreme poverty in Africa and end up living in an America and then David's in Africa having like you know looking like he's in paradise or something you know and it's just that 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 crazy once and again another crazy story twist that I could have never planned and obviously would have never wanted to be sick for nine months and lose all that weight yeah but and and plus this story really focuses still david is you know i would say me and rob are maybe a third if Mm -hmm. if possible a half of the second part of the story and david's like because we really want to we want to touch on hiv we want to touch on clean water we want to touch on um you know africans taking the lead and those kind of things um so i don't remember which review that was but i think i think the thing about i've noticed about our film is that people connect to different parts and Mm -hmm. Some people like the whole thing, but a lot of people like really like the beginning, really like when me and Rob are there and we're asking questions and kind of really diving into the issue. And other people really like the Africa portion and when they're seeing Africa and that kind of thing. And so it's like not every, like a lot of times people aren't pleased by the whole thing. Um, I think overall people like it and everybody – I never have people say, hey, I wasn't entertained or it didn't keep my attention. And people always say that. But usually people are like, I really like the Africa section. I really like the America section better. you know. And So this guy seems like a I want some more Africa kind of guy. And I, th- I think the two go together. Mm-hmm. I think – you see, I mean, as 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 crappy as your situation was, and as I'm sure scary as it seemed, and as as painful as it was, um, to be sick for nine months and not knowing what's wrong, n- you know, you had health insurance and you had pretty much the best care you could have gotten to the point where it's not a problem anymore. So you look at that compared to people that are there's nothing particularly wrong with them, but they still don't have clean drinking water, and if, if God forbid, something did happen to them, what what really could they do? I mean, they might have to fix it themselves, or you know, go to a doctor. You know, I, I don't know what the doctors are like out there. I don't know it what just the it varies. Yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe one miles and miles away, might be in a city where they got a decent, you know. And so, like, I think just just kind of juxtaposing those. I think helps a great deal because we suddenly realize, and it's it, it, it may seem obvious to some, but I think the fact that you are going through it in the moment really drives the point home that, like, yeah, we don't know what we have, and in a moment of of emergency, you could you were able to fly home and get the best care possible. These people don't have that option, mm-hmm. and I feel like the inclusion of that was a good thing. 
not merely so that, frankly, we had people that we could connect with in the film, but also from a thematic standpoint, it you know you're you know you're you're driving the point home that as again, a lot of people have it hard in this country. I don't want to diminish that, but there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that we do have going for us that we aren't even aware of we just take it for granted and the film is about us like mm-hmm. you know the film is about us three like i it was always intended to be the character is not poverty poverty cannot really be a character people mm-hmm. want to connect to people and i thought you know they're going to be able to best identify with one of us three and they're going to want to follow us and they want to know about us they want to know about our friendship and how we're doing and i think that's going to be stronger than if i just laid out some facts and it would be that wasn't the type of documentary i was interested in making i mean mm-hmm. those are great documentaries and i i like learning about issues themselves but the film was about us and it was about i i and i think that's makes it more powerful in my opinion uh, i want to ask you about some of the docu- doc- documentaries in a second but i want to talk about one more thing uh one more aspect of the film that also again you didn't write it but uh uh works chronologically it, it it works so well where it happens there's this woman katie have you met her personally or just yeah i just met her oh, like recently okay. but I'd, i hadn't met her before that this woman just katie she works at an orphanage in uganda she's 21 years old i guess she's a little older now she's like 23 or 24 now yeah 21 years old and has a- adopted 14 kids herself she's i mean that's like a uh that that's a it's a very positive brand of lunacy, right? Like, <laughs> she's crazy, but in the best way. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Um, but I think uh, introducing her at the end, it's so... Uh, I kept thinking of Colonel Kurtz. Uh, I, I kept thinking of Apocalypse Now. Like, <laughs> like you, you you, find her at the end, like, live, oh, oh, she's been here. Like, I've, I've, we've been journeying through this, this strange land, and she's been here and made a life and set it up for herself. And, it, I mean, it's kind of a – I'm kind of being glib here uh, comparing her uh, that's, to, that's interesting. Uh, I, I, I like to, that. To, she's to a good Apocalypse Colonel Kurtz. Yeah, she's like a good Colonel Kurtz because, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, she's entrenched in, in there, and she's like – uh, a part of the world, but I think the reason it works so well at the end is both because of that, that <clears throat> the, the the apocalypse now, heart of darkness type of thing. Um, but uh, there's a thing she says about um, when she goes home and goes to the grocery store. She says, uh, "You know, the mothers here have maybe two choices of what to feed their kids every day. In the grocery store, you have eight choices of what to feed your dog." And I think, yeah, and and I think. Uh, if that had come earlier in the film, it might have seemed like, oh, that's a little, like, rehearsal thing that she has or whatever. It might not have had the impact. But at the end of the film, when you've gotten more of an immersive sense of what it actually is like to live in poverty in Africa, it's uh, it's an astounding statement to think about. Uh, it has a, a great deal of effect when yeah, she says that. And my favorite line is even just kind of right after that. She brings up those facts and, you know, how many pillows she had in a hotel and, like, her kid had never had mm-hmm. – all her daughters had never had a pillow and she had seven in one hotel. But my favorite line is and – and I've cried. I mean, I've seen the movie – hundreds probably times honestly i mean editing you know and then watching it and screening we screen Uh colleges and all that kind of thing and uh, she says you know something basically like i think an abnormal life is the only life worth living or Uh like you know and just this idea that like that just really struck me is it that she i think she's pretty fulfilled over there and it just seems like the craziest thing and the fact that that crazy thing is making her really happy and joyful is is kind of the whole message of the film you know that Mm -hmm. and i and i do want to uh to talk about uh, her for a moment and specifically like what David was was talking about with the uh, 
you know, eight different kinds of dog food and, and that sort of thing. And I think I, I – because we keep coming back to this idea of guilt and uh, like American guilt and, you know, white guilt and just be, feeling privileged. And a line like that, it does come at a good point in the movie certainly, but also it's – like one needs to be very careful with how they take it because I think our first instinct is to run to guilt and sh- and perhaps shame and say, "Wow, yeah, that is a lot. That's a lot of options for dog food. I, you know, I just I've got it so easy, man. I just feel so bad." And it's like, no, no, no. That's not what it's about. There's nothing wrong with having that much dog food. I'm not saying don't buy all of them. That's ridiculous. <laughs> but uh, there's nothing wrong with having those options. It's not. It's not about making you feel bad for what you have. It's about trying to, not from a place of guilt, but trying to help somebody else have more. You know, and, and, and not even yeah, like like you said, guilt fades. Definitely, and I think guilt fades. Like, and I, yeah, and I think that's really good. But I think like our goal isn't even to make to give Africans more things because, like, like I said, there is right. something really beautiful about the joy and that kind of thing. Um, I don't know if they need eight types of dog food right but they need types they need of food they need clean water yeah you know mm-hmm. like they, there's a level of which we don't we don't want to make anybody else look like us we want them their brand of them but they want empowerment resources like partnership and i think yeah. that this is there's just a great idea of both benefiting through partnership them through like kind of basic necessities education that kind of thing just basically the things that we have in it you know we're advanced in for a number of complicated reasons. We are advanced, not just because we're the bomb, you know. Like, <laughs> there's a lot going on there, you we know. Do that, it right. <laughs> but yeah, just this idea of, I don't know, going there and being on the ground and saying, "What do you want? Do you want eight types of dog food?" I think they're going to say no. Like, uh, but what do you want? What do you need? What are you after? Mm-hmm. And I think, like I said, I just I, I I love this thing, and I've just planted on it. It isn't like I I, I rehearse it or I say it because I totally believe in it. People just need to ask themselves two questions. What breaks their heart and what makes them come alive? And it's a lot easier than like thinking I need to care about human trafficking, poverty, this, this, that, elderly, orphans, homeless. Think about those two things and you know, figure out what you should pour your life into. And it's, it'll sustain because it's what specifically breaks your heart and it will sustain because it's a thing you enjoy doing. You're going to like doing whatever makes you come alive. And so for me, it was filmmaking. Mm-hmm. I love filmmaking. That's what mm-hmm. makes me come alive. Then what breaks my heart is like young people without a purpose. Young people are looking for a purpose when there's people out there who have this great need. I'm like, let's connect those two worlds. And so that's, you know. Now you talk about, uh, we were talking about other documentaries and, and just film in general. Um, what are there, uh, are you are you drawn to these type of uh, uh, socially activist uh, documentaries? Uh, are there Are there any that you took as a... Um, an influence? Yeah, or? there's a bunch that influenced me. I mean, I do, I do like this type of film, and it was um, there's a film called Invisible Children that really impacted me mm-hmm. very strongly. And I saw it, and it it caused me to act. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is great. I've seen a lot of other films that don't cause me to act that are about issues, and I, and I loved it that it did that. It really impacted my life a lot, and I was very on fire for those kind of issues. And I love watching documentaries. I always think, you know, you can wa- if you watch a crappy fiction film, you're like, that was a made up story, and it sucked. You know, if you watch a crappy documentary, you're like, that sucked, but at least I learned something about whatever it was, you know? <laughs> it wasn't a complete waste of time, and I, and I, like, I like that idea. 
but I also want to make fiction films, you know, and like really the, the film I'm excited about next is a comedy, totally the opposite. I'm working on a script called The Complex and it's about, it's basically like the Sandlot meets Superbad and it's about, it's, it takes place along a week, starts in a skating rink where I have a crush on this girl and then she's going to come in a week later to the fair that happens in our backyard in our apartment complex. And so the whole week, my older friend teaches me about girls, you know, and so mm-hmm. like, he, you know, shows me porno magazines and we like, you know, go play baseball and like all these crazy things happen. They're kind of based on our, our true story, but we're kind of going to address issues of yeah, young being, being revealed to pornography at a young age, but mostly it's going to be comedy and goofing around and being kids and, you know, the dorks in the neighborhood trying to ruin our plans with <laughs> these girls. And, and I'm excited about it because I kind of got to switch gears, you know, and I think mm-hmm. people are once you make a documentary, like I've been approached by like other two other companies to make two other documentaries because they just kind of think that's what you do. You make cause documentaries and mm-hmm. I would like to continue to do those, but I also want to make dramas and comedies and that kind of thing. And so it, I don't know. That's kind of, that's kind of answers. Yeah. I, would, I, 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 we're, uh, we're a big fan on this show of just <laughs> naming movies that fit into whatever the category is for the movie. Okay, yeah. I could, I I could name a few others. Yeah. Children, yeah, what else? Invisible Children was... Okay, so the way I like pitched the film or thought about it, most people don't know these movies. Have you ever heard of Purple State of Mind? Yes. Okay, no. so have you heard of Purple State of no. Mind? Now, I... Was it, a, was it a book first? No, I think it was a movie for, I don't know. It was a movie there's, and a book. I think there's... And there's a blog... Okay. Basically, it's about it's just conversations between two buddies from college that you know they're both Christians and one became an atheist, you know, and they kind of having discussions about it. So it was like that. I really liked that idea and how they did that dialogue really honestly. I really loved Invisible Children, how it, it showed Africa in a different way, but also challenged people to act. I really loved Super Size Me because it was um, it sold. You know, it had it had this guy living in. So, you know, people think about they think about him vomiting because he ate. There's something just entertaining about that, and him losing <laughs> weight and getting sick. And I just thought there's there's something in there about people want to see that. And then yeah, I also I thought, of, thought about Super Seven while watching your film. Yeah, it was basically. I mean, it was very much. I I I took a lot from that. And then I also with Jackass was really popular, mm-hmm. and I just thought me and my friends were kind of jackasses, you know? And so, like, I want a little bit of that just dumb stuff that we do. And you see, you know, you see them smelling armpits. And, I mean, it's just like we're, we're just being ourselves and part of ourselves are... Is it weird that that was one of the grossest parts of the film to me? I know that there's other... I know that there's much grosser and more disturbing things, but you guys smelling each other's armpits is If gross. you If you smelled David, I think you're probably... You would know that you were actually most accurate there. Okay, to be all right, by, fair enough. I mean, it's, it was, that wasn't a prank. I mean, David, he has this... <laughs> special special smell to him I could see someone that smiles that much being oblivious to his own body odor <laughs> and just it's like hey I forgot to put on deodorant for the last month weird right <laughs> uh, well um, uh, we should start uh, wrapping up here because I know you guys are mm-hmm. doing the, the other podcast more than so if you're interested uh, in hearing more uh, specifically about the 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 Christian or religious point of view mm-hmm. of this then listen to more than one, the more than one lesson episode, with, and it uh, will be available when this goes up. Yes, right. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna wrap up here. But where um, where can people see the film, or where they will where will they be able to see the film soon? Yeah. So we just had our world premiere October fifteenth at the Heartland Film Festival. We got St. Louis International Film Festival happening on November twelfth. So those are ways, and we're trying to get in film festivals across the country. And one big way is that we're interesting people bringing us to colleges, churches, mm-hmm. high schools, whoever, basically any kind of group that would have us. They can contact me at givadamdoc at gmail.com. 
or give go to the, damn doc at gmail.com. Or go to giveadamndoc.com and you can see the trailer. But right now we're not selling the film yet. We're looking at different distribution. You know, we've had talked to different companies and that kind of thing. And so we're we're working on that. You know, we want to get on Netflix and all that eventually. But basically mm-hmm. the best time now is to, to go to one of the film festivals or to bring us in. And it's a really dynamic thing when you bring us in because it's all three of us. You see the interesting dynamic you see on film between David and Rob. You see it like live. Uh-huh. And it's just, there's something for everybody. And I think the experience is really... Um, I love being there in person because we're able to accomplish the mesh of the film even in a deeper, further way. And I think if you've ever been to a film festival and you see the filmmaker, the character walk up on stage afterwards, you're like, no way, that's so awesome. <laughs> that's the person I just watched the movie about. And so we love getting to do that and interact uh-huh. with people. So, yeah, we'd love people to contact us at giveadamndoc at gmail.com. And then um, this is uh, – I'm re- I'm – I'm almost reluctant to say this because I because what we've been talking about as far as getting involved and get, trying to get involved in a deeper way, um, are there any uh, like charities or anything that uh, that you recommend people like look into or give money to or something like that? Yeah, there's there's so many really. Um, there's really so many. It's hard to like pinpoint them. You know, like okay. Compassion International is great. Um, World Vision, those ones where you sponsor the child, those are legitimate. They uh, those are actually mm-hmm. really effective things. I think microloans, like the Kiva organization, where you give loans, right. that is a really great option. You're empowering people. Um, there's a lot of good organizations giving water. My buddy uh, Seth Maxwell does the Thirst Project, and they give clean water to like 16 different countries across the world. Mm-hmm. And um, but two I'd I'd really like to plug are David's. Um, organization David from our film basically the whole idea of the film is to get people to do something and after making the movie our buddy David was like I want to and help fight sex trafficking in Africa and so mm-hmm. he's building a home in Malawi he's been given like three plots of land the size of three football fields to build this land where he's going to be rescuing girls or helping girls get out of you know forced prostitution and that kind of thing or sex trafficking so that's gonna, that's really cool and he's actually launched we're having a big fundraiser for him in about a week mm-hmm. and then um so the, yeah, I mean, is, I guess that's the big. That's does the big that charity one. have a specific name? Or yeah, it's called. Oh, sorry, sorry. It's called Win the Saints. Okay. So if you go to winthesaints.com, you can learn all about David's organization and what he's doing. And I think it's really cool. I'm really excited to see how it's going to take off. And if you're interested in Katie, who we talked about her story, you can go to amazima.org. I think it's a m a z i m a dot org, uh-huh. or you can just look up Katie Davis, Uganda, or Africa girl with 14 kids, and it'll <laughs> pop up. Trust me, she's got a book and everything. So those are. A couple I like, but there's just so many. Yeah. There's a lot of good ones out there. I mean, I know there's a lot of shady ones out there too, but mm-hmm. um, I think the system's getting better. So I think people just do, you know, Google it, do some research. But those yeah. are ones I, I really are there links to in. these at, at Give a Damn Doc. Doc we com? used to have it, but we're working. We've developed a new site. It's like really simple right now because uh-huh. we want a, new, a more fresh design. Okay. So we're, we're working on that. So eventually we'll have. I want to have all these organizations on there so people can connect to them. Cool. I'll see if I, I think I'll try to do something where I can. I'll have links to them on the blog post for this episode. That'd be great. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, I'll great, try yeah. that. Uh, so you can read that blog post and other blog posts at uh, battleshippretension dot com. That's our that's our website. Uh, yeah, this uh, oh, we're recording this so far out. I, I, I wanted to, I was trying to do this new thing where I talk about what reviews we have coming up. I'm trying to think. So this uh, November 18th, uh, will Patty Considine's uh, directorial debut Tyrannosaur mm. we will have a review up uh, by Scott Nye who was also writing um, AFI Fest coverage so I, I, I should have mentioned that on last week's episode but definitely uh, check out battleshipretention.com for AFI Fest coverage coverage from Scott and I uh, and also don't forget that there's a donate button as always any donation of $10 or more 
we'll get you our first 40 episodes, uh, which are not uh, available otherwise. Um, and that's all at battleshipretention.com. Uh, and you can also always listen to episodes from the site or from iTunes. You can email us at david at battleshipretention.com or tyler at battleshipretention.com. You can fi- follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash thepretension and follow Tyler on Twitter at twitter.com slash morelessons. That's the official Twitter from his other podcast, More Than One Lesson, which you can find at morethanonelesson.com or on iTunes. And my other podcast is the weekly television review show previously on, which you can find it previously on show.com or in itunes is there uh you gave give a damn doc.com uh give a damn doc at gmail.com is there a twitter yeah uh, twitter is give a damn doc um our youtube page is give a damn film you basically if you go to the website you can see the twitter you can see the facebook you can see the youtube you can see our blog on conversantlife.com and do you dan paris have a personal twitter or, uh, no, I don't. No. I don't. Oh. So I, I'm I'm pretty business out there on the, <laughs> on the web. <laughs> uh, that, you know, that's what I intended to do when I started the pretension. That's why I named it after the podcast. That gave but, way pretty fast, and then it immediately just became. I mean, I, I also use it for podcast and blog stuff right. uh, a, a lot extensively. But it also, I, I feel like I occasionally have to say like. I'm not speaking for Tyler when I when I tweet. These are often just me. Yes, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've yes, yeah, you got to. Yeah, I stretch it sometimes, but it's like um, I always like start to write stuff, and then nah. I just like, kind of like does anybody care? I don't know. I, you know, I like I wrestle with it, so I just like I kind of give up half. I, I half twit all the time. Like <laughs> I'll tell you one thing: I don't give a damn about uh, this Kardashian divorce. There you you could do something like that, right? Yeah, yeah. I could have could a what about, I don't like. It's like my, you might be a redneck if, you know. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't give, give a damn, a damn about, about this. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. What I do give a damn about is poverty, and you should too. Right. That's uh, well. I hope, that's for free. You can yeah, have I hope Tony gets credit, that's, for, at least for that idea. So, uh, Dan, thank you for joining us on the show. This I really appreciate it. Yeah, this is, this is fun. Yeah. Absolutely. And thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.